So the attributes of God, week five. Uh, last week, we concluded a two week study of what it means that God is spirit. John four twenty four. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked specifically about the definition of God as spirit. And last week, we devoted time to discussing how our worship should reflect the fact that God is spirit. This all, of course, follows after John uh, chapter 4, verse 24, which reads, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So a couple quick highlights of what we discussed last week. We talked about the old and new covenant worship, how the old covenant involved <coughs> worship that was carnal and ceremonial, whereas under the new covenant, spiritual worship is the focus. God even said that he was tired of the burnt sacrifices in the Old Testament in Isaiah, I believe that's where uh, where you can read that. So he always desired worship from a sincere and true heart. Um, the worship in in the, the sacrifices in the Old Testament were a shadow of things that were to come. Um, so no longer is the physical temple the point of focus, but Christ, as we talked about, Christ, the Lamb of God, who took away the sin of the world, is the temple where God's people meet with him. First uh, Corinthians three sixteen and Ephesians two verses twenty through twenty two. Uh, so with that, our worship of God must be in spirit and truth, in reality of who he is. He demands worship that transcends physical things and engages our spirits with the spirit of Christ to perform a more spiritual form of worship in new covenant simplicity. All right. So that was last week. This week, um, We'll look at the eternity of God and discuss what that tells us about God and how we should respond in light of it. So let's pray and then we will get into the lessons. Father, we thank you again for this time to come together, God, and truly to glorify your name to learn more about you is always a privilege god so we just pray that during this time god we know that you are here with us but we pray that you would open up our minds to hear what it is that you have to say to us through your word and may we walk away with a greater understanding of who you are and it's in christ's name we pray amen all right so we are embarking on yet another attribute and perfection of God, which we will only scratch the surface of because really God is incomprehensible. Uh, Thomas Adams said this. He said, we can adore. We cannot comprehend. He is good without quality, great without quantity everlasting without time, present everywhere, without place, containing 
all things without extent and ordering all things without trouble. When, uh, and that was his description of the incomprehensibility of God. You know, we, we can find out about him and learn about him in his word, but truly, God, <laughs> you know, how can we fathom who God truly is? But he is, he's great. And part of his greatness is his eternity. So the eternity of God. What does this mean? So first, it means that God is eternal in duration. Uh, Psalm chapter 90, verse 2 says this. It says, before the mountains were born or you gave birth to the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Uh, speaking of wisdom, Proverbs reads, before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. While he had not yet made the earth and the fields, nor the first dust of the world. Proverbs chapter 8, verses 25 through 26. So these verses show us that the world had a beginning. It was created by God, Elohim, God. The world owes its existence to God. And that's that's something that we should always remember. It always would trouble me and still does today when people would say Mother Earth. Like, well, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, God is the creator. He created heavens and the earth. There is no Mother Earth. Um, but we get an idea through these verses that God and only God is eternal. No one else or no other thing possesses the property of eternity. God is the only one who exists in the permanent state of eternity, and there is no succession with him. And we'll talk more about that later. The end of Psalm 90, uh, verse 2, it reads from everlasting to everlasting. See, that statement in and of itself requires some thought on our part as to what that means. So that portion of the verse, it accommodates us as beings of time by speaking of eternity as if it were split into two parts. So from everlasting to everlasting, eternity past and eternity future. So what that does is kind of helps us get a grip or grasp on what eternity is and what eternity means. Because when we think of it ourselves, it's hard for us to fathom exactly what eternity is. So it, it is a, a, a tough concept to grasp because we are creatures of time. Everything that we do revolves around time how we plan our day right that comes down to uh, to time although other factors come into play time dictates much of what we do we're constrained by time but 
God is not. Uh, time itself has a beginning and end, but eternity is contrary to time. Eternity is boundless and of unending, unchanging duration. Uh, Ecclesiastes 3 speaks in terms of fixed time. So let's read a portion of that. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And in your Bibles, I don't know if it reads like mine, it says uh, the the title heading of Ecclesiastes chapter three is a time for everything. And uh, starting in verse one, it says there is an appointed time for everything. And there is a time for every event under heaven, a time to give birth and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up. And it goes on through uh, verse eight, you know, just giving uh, giving those segments of time, the the um, allotments of time, the fixed time for things. But draw our attention attention to uh, verse 11. And see what that says. It says he has made everything appropriate in its time. He has also set eternity in their heart. Yet so that man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning even to the end. So he has made everything for its time. The NIV 84 The uh, verse 11 reads like this. It says he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men. Yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. So the NIV kind of captures the thought uh, a little better of what is being said there. So what does that mean? He has made everything. Um. Every activity or event for which a culmination point may be fixed. So he has made everything for its time. But eternity, like I said, it's it's, as this verse says, eternity is set in the hearts of men. But still, it is tough to get a grasp whenever we think about God being eternal. And we're thinking in terms of time and comparing that to eternity. You know, we think about, okay, well, when was that point that time began? Is there a point that eternity began? You know, those are the things that we try to wrap our minds around. But God has always been. He will always be. Um, Man is created for God's eternal purpose. But man cannot fully comprehend all about God from beginning to end. Uh, The words eternal and everlasting are sometimes used to describe 
the souls of men and maybe even angels. However, and uh, this is a quote from Stephen Charnock, he describes it like this. He says they were nothing before they were something, but will never be nothing again. Mm-hmm. They were again. they were nothing before they were something, but will never be nothing again. So think about that just in terms of us that who are sitting here at this table. You know, God knew that we would be here at this moment right now, sitting here at this table, having this conversation He knows the words that are on our tongue before they're even formed on our tongue, you know, but at one point we were not, you know, but now we have come into existence. However, you know, however many years ago that was, we have come into existence now that we are in existence, even though this physical body dies our soul is going to continue on. So there's never a time that we will never be again. It just, you know, our relationship to God determines where we will spend eternity. But, you know, although other people may forget about us as time passes, that doesn't mean that we are completely gone out of existence because we have souls that will never die. Right. But God's eternity, there is no beginning and no end. God's eternity belongs only to him. So um, when we think about eternity and how to explain it, we look at it in terms of a, a, a negative concept. And the negative concept is not that there's anything negative about God's eternity, but we say what it is not to describe what it is. Okay, so the negative concept. Uh, So one way it it's just the meaning, you know, that we better define something, something by in this case, it's eternity. So to be eternal is not to be bound by time. It is a duration that knows no end. So how does that relate to God? Well, God has no beginning. So let's turn to Genesis chapter one. Genesis chapter one, verse one. And what does that say? Genesis 1 1 says what? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So this is when time began with the foundation of the world. And we go on to verse two. It says the earth was formless and void and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. 
God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning one day. So we see now we're starting to see time. There was evening. There was morning. Also one day. Okay, so now we're seeing things in uh, from the aspect of time. And then you go down to verse eight. It says God called the expanse heaven and there was evening and there was morning. What? A second day. So now we're seeing things segmented into time versus eternity. You know, with God, there were no days. You know, there are no days. You know, with God, it's just eternity with uh, with him. So he has no uh, no beginning. And although time began with the foundation of the world, God was before time and had no beginning. Though some have tried, there is no way to pinpoint a beginning before time. Further, nothing in eternity could have a beginning Otherwise, it wouldn't be eternal. Right. Because it was created when in time. Um, also about God, speaking of the uh, still in terms of the negative concept, God has no ending. Uh, Psalm 102 verses 25 through 27. It says of old, you founded the earth. And the heavens are the work of your hands. Even they will perish, but you endure. And all of them will wear out like a garment, like clothing. You will change them and they will be changed. But you are the same and your years will not come to an end. So God has no ending. But you see, even with it saying your years will come to no end. That kind of helps us put things into perspective in terms of eternity helps us to wrap our minds around it a little bit. It's almost, you you know, uh, almost a condescension, like coming down to Mm -hmm. our level so that we can understand, you know, who God is and his eternity. What Psalm was that? Uh, Psalm 102 (coughs) verses 25 through 27. And along the same lines of um, God having no ending, he is immortal. God is immortal by nature. He cannot end. A description of him is one uh, is of one who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light whom no man has seen or can see. This is first Timothy chapter six, verse uh, 16. And at the end of that, it says to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Uh, So any questions so far? Is there time in heaven now? No. Okay. No, nope, nope, no time. It's just eternity. Eternity. So. Time was something that came into being whenever God created the earth. You know, in, in heaven there will be no time. It's just eternity for forever.
Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 That's why we want to save our friends that aren't saved, because it's eternity. You know, this we have a short period of time that we're alive, mm-hmm. but when we die, it's forever. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, you know, in, in terms of eternity, someone, I heard someone describe it one time. They said, listen, you count every star in the sky and then every grain of sand on every beach in the world. Even once you got to the end of that, that last grain of sand, you still haven't touched eternity, you know? So it's uh, tough for us to fathom eternity, even though we have eternity set in our heart. But when we're in heaven, our bodies are not, so we don't get older. So like where, okay. No, because we have to. Right. We we enter into that glorified state, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, you know, whenever we are saved, we're justified before mm-hmm. we are saved. We're, we're called to those whom he's called. He's justified to those he's just he has justified. He's glorified. So and all of that is in past tense. So it's firm. It's finished. You know what I mean? That speaks to God's eternality because he knew before the foundation of this uh, this world that we were going to come to him, that we were his. He sent Christ to rescue us. But being glorified, you know, we don't yet have that glorified body, you know, that can even stand to be in the presence mm-hmm. of God. So, you know, we will get that that glorified body. But, you know, it's almost it, it is as if it's already done we have that space in heaven reserved for us the holy spirit is our guarantee like there's no age in heaven like you're not right because time is not Mm -hmm. time is earthly yeah so you're not So like there's not it's not even going to be a thing like getting yeah 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 (laughs) like getting older and aging and changing and no okay nope (laughs) Uh. (laughs) all right and that's too because death and us getting older was a result of sin that's right and there will be no more sin that's right it couldn't be like getting older progressing in age because Mm -hmm. that was a result of what happened at the fall and that is a great point so would adam and eve never have aged if they were gotten older like when they still have gotten older and had kids and then the kids were getting old but not like the ailments of getting older so the curse of of sin there would have been no curse of sin mm-hmm. uh on them so you know there wouldn't have been the the ailments the the things that come along with you know with getting older and progressing in age like those things would not have uh, would not have been I mean there would have been that 
you know, there would be no laziness because <laughs> it's yeah. just everlasting energy. And with that energy, we're taking that to glorify God. You, you know what I mean? And do the things that he has called us to do now, you know, um, the change, the like what Adam and Eve would have looked like as the days went on. Listen, again, no, no stain of sin. You, you know what I mean? We can speculate as much as we want, like what would have happened, you know, but what did happen was in God's plan. So, you, you know, anything that we uh, say at this point may just be speculation. Mm-hmm. So, okay. you know, they, they may not have, you know, looked yeah. like this or like that may not have changed to be this or that. You know, I think we're kind of speculating that mm-hmm. at, at that point. <laughs> but, you know, they were made in what we know is that they were made in God's image. They were perfect in the condition that they were. So their minds like you think of Adam in terms of God bringing the animals to him and him naming the animals. Think of how many animals there are on this earth. You know, now we're not talking about, you know, let's just say a bird and then every species Mm -hmm. of that bird, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you you know, or the fish, the same thing, every species of that fish. But just the singular animal in itself, God brought it to him. He named it. You know, there wasn't any thinking like, oh, what should that be? He brought it to him. He named it. Move on. Next. Mm -hmm. Named it. Move on. Next. Named it. Because there was that perfect relationship between Adam and God. Sin had not yet entered into the world. It did not stain his thinking. It did not cloud his judgment at all. So he was able to, bam, lion, bear, fish, bird, like that, you know, no, uh, no thinking about it, you know, but sin entered in and then death entered in. You know, he said, you will surely die. And not that they died at that moment, but that relationship with God was affected. And the result of that sin then changed his body. You know, that was. I'm sorry to interrupt. mm, But the death was a spiritual death, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because you have to be spiritually born again yep. in order to yep. be eternal to spend eternity with God, right? So that death definitely happened at that time. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yeah, okay. yeah. So that that perfect relationship right there. Sin entered, fractured. Mm-hmm. Death to that perfect relationship that was there between man and God. You know? So it was that spiritual death and the physical death eventually came as well. Yeah. Yeah. So great, great discussion. Any other, any other questions? Not yet. Not yet? Okay. <laughs> All right. So there is no succession in God. 
Jesus Christ, who is God, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's what Hebrews 13.8 tells us. God remains in his being and is the same in his being. He is not like us. So as time progresses, we change. With us, things are either gained or lost every day. Now, some things remain the same for a period in time, but there is always a constant motion with us. So today we are one day closer to death. We are one moment closer to meeting eternal God as we speak. Right. So there is change with us. There is no succession with God. So in the thoughts of God, he sees everything at once. You know, this is a as um, you know, with him being eternal, he sees everything at once. God does not learn anything. And though he sets the order of things, he does not need for one thing to happen before another in order to see what the result will be. He sees them all at once. God at once knows all and sees all that he decrees. He doesn't learn anything. He knows it all. Uh, God is his own eternity. So there is no concept of eternity apart from God. No God, no eternity. For all things are of God, eternity included. All of God's attributes are eternal. Never do they cease. And this should help us understand heaven and hell a little better in terms of eternity. So how can there be eternal life? Because God possesses life within himself. You know, so that's how we we're, we constantly Christ gives that that life that he's that eternal <coughs> well that is springing up to life eternally. So it's constantly life. You know, whenever we are in in heaven, we are in the presence of the life giver, you know, a, apart from sin. Now, the other end of the spectrum, eternal death and damnation in hell because of uh, God's wrath, because it is an eternal attribute of his and uh, unredeemed sinners will face his wrath in hell for eternity. So all of this, I know it, it's tough to fully grasp and to wrap our minds around it. You know, there in terms of eternity, there is no proportion between time and eternity and the proportion, the proportion Webster describes it as this. It's uh, the relation of one part to another or to the whole with respect to magnitude, quantity, or degree. So, with respect to time and eternity, the magnitude, quantity, and degree of eternity far outweighs that of time. But, 
there is no pitting one against the other. Eternity is greater. And though it now though it now exists with time until time is no more. Eternity will always be, you know, it will still be. And why will eternity be after time ends? Because God is eternal, you know, and that that eternity belongs to God. Uh, Psalm 102, 27. But you are the same and your years will not come to an end. Again, this is a verse that accommodates our level of understanding, but we cannot assign literal years to eternal God. It just helps us to understand it a little better. Job 36, 26 says this. It says, behold, God is exalted and we do not know him. The number of his years is unsearchable, you know, putting it into context, eternity into context. God has always been eternal, as have his attributes or his perfections, whatever you want to call them, attributes or perfections. Same thing. Um, If at any point anything necessary to God's being ceased for a moment, he would cease being the eternal God. So everything, all of the qualities that belong to him, the perfections that belong to God will never cease. Okay. Any questions? All right. So why must God be eternal? That's what we'll deal with next. So first reason is his very name demands it. Exodus chapter three, verse 14. God says, I am that I am. You know, that translates into Yahweh. And, you know, Yahweh is a name that really could not even be pronounced. It's Y-H-W-H, you know, and there have been many explanations of how to even pronounce it. But it just speaks to the greatness of God and who he is. I am that I am. His name indicates there is no past nor future with him. He is. God is. Revelation 1 8 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. So again, is, was, and is to come. That's for our benefit. It suits our weakness of thought in terms of eternity. It gives us something to wrap our minds around, but remember, God is unbounded. He is eternally existent and eternally present. There was never a point at which he was not what he now is and what he now is. He will always be. So that's awesome in terms of eternity. You know, and I'll mention this again, I'm sure. But just think about that. 
the God of Exodus chapter three, verse 14, that said to Moses, I am that I am, is the same God that we have relationship to and with through Jesus Christ. All right. Why must God be eternal? His very name demands it. But God has life in himself. John chapter five, verse 26. It says, for just as the father has life in himself, even so he gave to the son also to have life in himself. It is impossible for God to not live or to never have lived and still maintain eternality. If God had not lived and then came into being, that would mean that something greater than him would have needed to exist in order to create God. But we know that there is no such being greater than God. He created everything, even us, right? We have been created by him and it is in him that we live and move and have our being. Acts 7, Acts, uh, chapter 17, verse 28 says, we are dependent upon upon uh, God. <clears throat> Sorry, upon. Where did that come from? Just making up words here. <laughs> Maybe that'll help you understand what eternity is. <laughs> God is immutable. He does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Though he brought time into existence, he did not change. He did not move from past to present, nor does he move from present to future. There is no change or shifting shadow with God, as James 1.17 tells us. The same God that manifests himself to Moses is the same God that we have access to today through Jesus Christ. He is infinitely perfect, finite things. And finite beings are imperfect. That shows their weakness. Uh, God could not be infinitely perfect without being eternal. He does not gain perfection as time goes on. There is nothing that is added to him. He is and has been eternally, infinitely perfect. Um, his omnipotence. Why must he be eternal? His omnipotence requires it. If God was never in existence, then it means at some point there was no power. If God came into being, then his power also at some point had to come into being as well. No being, no power, <coughs> no power, no omnipotence. God's omnipotence is eternal. That is part of his uh, his eternal quality, uh, his his power. He is all powerful. He is the first cause of all things. So if God were not eternal, this would not be the case. Uh, like we said, if. If he were not eternal, that would mean that he would have been created. Right. 
But he is the first cause of all things. He is not a created being. No one created God. Um, that which exists first in terms of eternity has no beginning, has no end. It exists necessarily of itself. God existed from the beginning, the founder before the foundation. And like we talked about was that week two, he is self-sufficient. God depends on nothing or no one. He is self-sufficient. So this speaks to his uh, eternality as well. So if there was never any existence from eternity, nothing would exist now in time. If God is not the eternal being, then there would be no being which exists in time. There must be an eternal personal first cause. He is God. Any questions or comments? Good. Process. <laughs> All right. All right. So God alone is eternal. Only God has immortality. As first Timothy 616 tells us, he is the one who only has immortality. This is a perfection that is unique to God alone. We are creatures of God's. Our lives depend on him. The fact that we continue on forever in terms of our souls is no way intrinsic to us. It's a donation by the creator, God. No effect wrought by the will of a voluntary cause can be equal in duration to its cause. So God is the cause. We are the effect and what God chooses to do with us and all of his creation in his eternal and in his eternal will is his prerogative. Right. Thankfully, through his grace, he lovingly chose to save us from his wrath through the work of his son on the cross. We thank God for that always. But speaking of the son, Christ Jesus is God. So as God has life in himself, so does Christ. And we read that in John 5, 26. As the father is eternal, so is the son, Jesus Christ, eternal. Colossians 1, 17. Let's take a look at that. We read that. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I believe. But let's take a look at it again. Speaking of Christ, Colossians 1.17, it says, He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And then in... Uh, Verse 16, we see that by Christ, all things were created. Let's read verse 16. It says, for by him, all things were created, both in the heavens 
and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or uh, or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. All things means all things. There's no part of it that is uh, left out. In John 17, 5, Christ speaks of the glory that he had with the father before the world was. It's John uh, chapter 17, verse five. So eternity belongs to God. And with Christ being eternal, it must mean what? That he is God. All right. There is no, you know, we can't make any mistake about that. Christ is God. Hebrews chapter one, uh, verses one through three. It says this, it says, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways in these last days has spoken to us in his son whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So, Christ is God. Christ Jesus is God. He is eternal. Only when he um, came to this world through the Virgin Mary do we talk about, you know, him being born. But he was here from the beginning. You know, um, we see in Genesis, you know, God says, let us let us who is that us that he is talking about you know eternal father eternal son eternal holy spirit you know none were created all have existed for uh eternity uh all things are are present to god so if someone alluded to that already however speaking of eternity when we think about it think about it as one indivisible point not divided into successive points like before and after eternity is one indivisible point it's forever you know where's the beginning of eternity where is the end of eternity you know we can't answer that question because it's eternity you know it's always existed god is eternal he has always been here so god does not learn anything and we're still speaking of all things being present to god he doesn't learn anything his knowledge is perfect knowledge he does not have to wait for time to pass in order to see how things which he has set in order turn out No, God's perfect omniscience says that he is all of the time, all knowing. There is not a point in time where there is anything hidden from God. Never a time 
where he learns a thing. Uh, since since eternity cannot be comprehended in time, it should not be judged by a creature of time. This is something that Stephen Charnock said, he said silence rather than censure becomes us when God's dealings are beyond our our appreciation. So Job was put in check by three words from God. Right. Where were you? <laughs> you know, now that that is the beginning of a larger statement. But can you imagine just that feeling of terror that went through the bones of Job? Forget about like despite what he was going through. I bet he forgot about it then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, when God says, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? But, you know. We've all been in trouble before with our parents, right? Mm-hmm. That's one thing you don't want them to ask. Where were you? <laughs> they have to ask that. Yeah, you know, how did you feel when they were asking that question? You know, but imagine being asked by God because you're complaining about him. Not, you know, not operating to your satisfaction or in the way that you think that you know, things should turn out. And then he asks you, where were you? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that's something, you know, we, we don't want to um, test God in that way. Right. But we need to come to grips with how small we are in comparison to God. And when we do, we'll check ourselves before we even ask the question of God before we begin to question God, we'll check ourselves because we'll know that in comparison to God, we are nothing. We're his creation. See, sometimes it's more beneficial for us to stand in silent awe and amazement of who God is than to try to figure him out. Who can fully comprehend God. Now, am I saying that we don't try to learn more about him and, you know, what he says in his word? No, no, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying go learn more about God. Dig deeper into the scriptures. But what scripture has ascribed to God, give him the honor that is due him pertaining to what scripture says about him. Let's not fight against it and try to make him into a God that we want him to be, but glorify him, glorify his name for who he is. Sometimes just sit and think about how great God is and how great it is that the almighty condescended down to this earth, you know, to give us that chance to rescue us from the wrath, his wrath that is to come. We can't fully comprehend God, but we can glorify in who he is. Now, with such a great God, greater than we can never fathom, why do we sin against him? Why do we sin against him? See, every sin is an attempt to destroy 
God. When we sin, we act as if we know better than God, the eternal God. We we reduce him to that of a temporal being, treating him as if he were a mere creature by disobeying him. You know, as if he's someone who's just given us some advice of how we should live, you know, some good advice. No, he's giving us commands. And when we sin, it shows that we have a low value of such a great God. And we need to thank our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for the salvation that we have received through him and for the constant intercession that he makes on our behalf constantly to the father. Those who do not know him stand to be lost eternally, suffering God's wrath for their own sin, which will be proportionate to the greatness of their offenses and also to the <coughs> glory of an eternal God. But there is comfort in God's eternality. Since he is eternal, that means that his covenant is eternal. If you have entered into right relationship with God through repentance and faith in his son, Jesus Christ, and what he has done, you are in covenant relationship with him and he will not go back on his promise. He swore by himself because there was none greater to swear by. Hebrews 613 tells us God promised eternal life to his people before the foundation of the world. Uh, Titus chapter one, verses one, uh, one and two. It says, Paul, a bond servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of those chosen of God and the foreknowledge of the truth, which is according to godliness in the hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised long ages ago. So that long ages ago literally means before times eternal. So. Before the foundation of the world, we were promised eternal life in Christ. God knew who his sheep were. He knew who he chose, who Christ was going to come to rescue before the foundation of the world, before times eternal. We should take comfort in that. Psalm 48, 14 says, for such is God, our God forever and ever. He will guide us until death. Some translations read until death as forever. He will guide us forever. He is our our God and we are his. In God's right hand are pleasures forever. Psalm 16, 11 tells us. The pleasures that God has for his people will never grow old. They are not subject to passing of time. Why? Because it's an eternity. Pleasures forevermore. In our glorified state, there will be no remorse over the past. No anxiety 
for the future, God's blessings will unceasingly flow. The fact that God is the great I am should strengthen us today as it did Israel. He is the same God. Our problems, any persecutions that we may face will certainly come to an end. And that should be comforting for us. But not only that, it should give us the confidence that we should be obedient to the things that God calls us to do. We should go forward in confidence that the almighty eternal God is with us and that he will strengthen us to do all that he commands us and calls us to do. He is ever present and already knows the results of what he calls us to do. You know, so we must faithfully trust in his guidance and lovingly obey all that he calls and commands us to do. So winding down here, what must we do with all of this? How shall we live in light of God's eternity? And I think we hit on this um, pretty much every week, but it bears repeating. Number one, repent of sin. With God being eternal, know that there is not a sin which has ever been hidden from him. Confess and repent of sin that has not been dealt with. So if you're holding on to secret sin, confess, repent of that sin. Those sins may fade from our memory. God does not forget about any unconfessed sin. And those which have not been atoned for uh, atoned for by Christ will be paid for in full by you. Should you not be found in Christ whenever you pass into eternity. Even if they do not fade away from our memories, the guilt that is felt whenever we sin and we don't confess that sin, saying that, God, I see this the same way. You do. I have sinned against you. That guilt that our conscience, you know, uh, of our conscience that pricks us over time, you know, we won't feel that it will it will diminish over time, leaving you with a conscience that is seared and you no longer feel the guilt and are not sensitive to sin. And what does that do? It makes it easier for you to sin and sin continually. Eventually, you're going to have to deal with the fact of whether or not you are truly in the faith. Now, listen, we're talking and, and this is should you continue on in sin unrepentantly, you know, like you there's no no difference. You don't feel any guilt. You don't see any need to stop sinning. You know, um, you're going to have to deal with it. And, and you should have that honest searching of yourself. Test yourself. Examine yourselves to see that you are in the faith. Unless, of course, you fail the test. You know, so we talked about this 
um, in, in our first Peter or first and second Peter study talking about sin, you, you know, and what is your relationship to sin? You know, is it the same today as it was six months, six months ago or today? Do you hate your sin even more because you know that you are sinning against a holy God? But see, first things first, if you have not come to Christ, that sin is doing nothing but sitting on top of you. You have reaped wrath upon wrath for the day of wrath. When that day ends, when that day comes, when God calls you into eternity, it comes rushing down like a flood and you are going to pay for each and every one of those sins that you have committed. So if you don't know Christ, run to him. If you do know Christ and you have that sin, that hidden sin, confess that sin to Christ Come to him, be released of that 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 load that you have been carrying because God forgives in the full because it's all been charged to the cross of Christ. But our relationship to eternal God should be one that is not characterized by sin. So though we are not sinless. We should be growing in sanctification and sin less. You know, we, we should not be dealing with these pet sins that we were dealing with a year ago or two years ago. You know, there are people who genuinely struggle with things, and I'm not going to negate that fact, but we should be growing in Christ. We have the spirit of God living on the inside of us. We should not play games with sin. All right. Uh, Number two, how should we live in light of God's being eternal? Live in awe and be humbled before eternal God. Remember, there is no proportion between time and eternity. The eternal God of thousands of years ago is the God of today and will remain unchangingly the same God thousands of years from now for generations to come. He will be the same. No change in God. We exist only because of him. We will continue to exist because of his eternal plan. Think about this. And it's another quote. We were made from the same material of which birds make their nests, in which worms dig and upon which beasts tread. Uh, Another quote from Stephen Charnock. Our life is but a vapor. Right. James 414. We talked about that a little bit in the beginning of this discussion. Our life is but a vapor. May we consider that and live accordingly, especially in relation to eternal God. Methuselah, 969 years old in God's sight. His life was just a vapor, even though he lived to be almost a thousand years old. His life was just a vapor in comparison to God's eternity. It was just a moment. May we understand that, too, about our lives and never be puffed 
up with pride. No matter how much God blesses us, we give those blessings back to him through obedience to his word and his commands. Think often of God's eternality. Be consumed with thoughts of God and his glory. First Timothy 1:17. it says now unto the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Take your eyes off of temporal things. Focus on eternal heavenly things. We have an inheritance that is waiting for us. It's been reserved in heaven for us. Don't focus on the temporal things of this earth. There is nothing on this temporal earth that can satisfy, satisfy us fully. The world will pass away. You know, as we read, God is going to roll it up, right? It, it's going to pass away. God is eternal. He remains forever. Find your satisfaction in him. Last thing, God is worthy of our highest affections and deepest desires. The more we know about him, the more we want to know about him. The well will never come close to running dry. Give God your all for he is our all in all. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, again, for this chance to be able to discuss, God, who you are. And again, as we say every week, we are barely scratching the surface. But God, help us, Lord, as we talked about tonight, as we worship you, God, in spirit and truth, as we read your word, help us to stand in awe of who you are, God. You have given us your word so that we can learn about who you are. There are some things, Lord, that we just will not know on this side of heaven, but we thank you, God, that you have saw fit to send your son to save us wretched sinners so that we could commune with you, the eternal God who has stepped from in eternity into time, condescended down to this earth that was created by him, was born of a woman who was his creation. He walked this earth that he created, lived a perfect, sinless life, went to a tree that was created by him, had nails pierce his hands and his feet. The nails were created by him. The crown of thorns that was pushed on his head created by our eternal savior. He took upon your full wrath, Father. He paid for the sin of each and every person who would believe in Jesus Christ, who would turn from sin to God 
through Jesus Christ. That sin is paid for God. And after Christ died on the cross, he was taken off of that cross, laid in the tomb, resurrected on the third day. That is where we find justification. God, and after he was raised, he appeared to crowds of over 500 people, to a crowd of over 500 people after roaming this earth for 40 days and ascended to the right hand of the father where he sat down. And he has full authority in both heaven and on earth and has given us the command to go therefore and make disciples. God, may we submit to you with our whole lives. May we submit to you. May we be obedient, God, to your command. Whenever we fall short, let us run to the foot of the throne and ask you for repentance, Lord. And we know that you forgive us completely and restore us, God, and send us back out to go do the tasks that you have called us to do. May we obey your every command. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.